Welcome everybody to another episode of the Swiss Football Show. I am here joined once again by my dear colleague Giacomo Notari who is sitting in Geneva. Giacomo, hi, how are you doing? Hello Manuel, as always I'm doing well. I hope the same for you and I'm really happy to be here once again on Monday night, man. Exactly. As usually we are recording on Monday night, uh, we kind of found out that uh, it works best for both of us uh, since both of us are caught up in a lot of work uh, during the week and on the weekend as well. Um, so uh, Giacomo, we have a lot to talk about. Um, we just dive right into it and start uh, with what has happened in the Swiss Super League this weekend. Um, why don't you start? Like, What is your key point from that weekend? I think the, the weekend started in a pretty incredible way with the game uh, eBay against Lausanne on, on Saturday at 6 p.m. It was a, a pretty interesting game because Lausanne lost 3-2, of course. It was a crazy end of the game with uh, like it was 1-1, then 2-1, uh, Lausanne equalized with the, the penalty and then 3-2. And I think in that game, the, the positive points were also for Lausanne because we saw it was like the in the continuation of the the win last week against Grasshoppers, and they managed to they have some signs of life. You know, it's you clearly see that it's not the same Lausanne that some weeks ago. Yes, I totally agree. It also seems like um, Ilya Borenovic kind of um, has found like his players, like he. He usually deploys now the same starting eleven. Um, he like it seems like the tactics kind of seem to start working now, um, which is good for them. And uh, you're right. I mean, we were pretty harsh. Uh, me personally, even more than you, uh, with Lausanne Spa at the beginning of the season, and rightfully so. Uh, but I really have to agree that they uh, have come back to life in the last couple of weeks, and that performance in Bern. Um, was pretty decent and we have seen other teams uh, struggle in Bern a whole lot more than Lausanne did. And uh, of course, something to note is that Swiss U21 Nazi uh, striker Zeki Amduni scored again against Young Boys. It's already his second goal in the second game against Ibe. Um, he also scored against Basel, so the guy just seems to love scoring in big games. Yes, true, true. He scored four goals, two against Ibe, one against Basel and one last week against Getze, the only Lausanne wins. So all his goals are like important or uh, like uh, crazy goals, you know, against big teams. So that's, of course, good for his confidence. He's clearly, clearly become a more complete striker this year. At the beginning, it was a bit difficult because, you know, Borinovic was playing different number nines. He was not always in the starting 11, but right now he has got his chance and uh, he, he has also some stability in the center of the attack. Good connection with uh, Cameron Puertas, good connection with Isham Mahou. So at the moment, there is no reason to, to change the striker. And about uh, Lausanne tactics, I also want to add that the four in the back defense, it's already the second game, is seems to be a pretty solid option, you know, with Simone Grippo, uh, Elton Montero, Uzic, and uh, it was uh, Zouri because um, Shafiq was, um, after his red card, he wasn't playing yet um, on Saturday. I think yes, there are a lot of points that are better, are getting better in uh, in Lausanne. Yes, totally, totally. Um, Anil Husic is a very interesting player. Um, he recently got called up for the first time ever 
for the Swiss U21 Nazi, and it was uh, astonishingly also his first ever uh, call up for the U, uh, like the, the U sides in not, not only U21, but he has never actually been called up for Switzerland before for any level. Uh, so that's pretty amazing. And uh, he just came out of nowhere and he, I mean, he's a key player already in defense. Uh, so that's great to have another promising young defender uh, in our league. Um, you know, the goal that separated the two sides was, of course, scored by Christian Fosnacht. And uh, this time it was actually, uh, you know, a valid goal. And uh, the VAR didn't disallow it. Although, like, the goal last week actually w would have been valid as well by rule, but VAR still disallowed it. But uh, so uh, Fasnacht is someone I also want to talk about. Um, I think right now we are seeing the best Fasnacht we ever have. Would you agree with me? Yes, man. Is is so good at the moment. He managed to be so efficient. The goal he scored against Lausanne wasn't easy at all because the ball was like it hit the post and he managed to have a good coordination to to put it in the back of the net and it was really a, a tough game. And yes, Fasnard, the thing that every time he's on the pitch for eBay, he managed to find a way to to wait on to to be important in the game. You know, to give an assist to score really every time, every time. He, is like the is starting to be the, really the key offensive player, even more than the, the strikers. And uh, yes, Fasnacht is uh, really um, too too important for Ibe at the moment. Yes, and he's also so versatile. I mean, uh, one time he was deployed by David Wagner already two times, I think, even this season as a right back, like in game when they had to switch around stuff after a record in the UCL, UCL qualification. He played right back and it worked. Um, and also, his he, just his scoring stats are amazing. He has never scored that much. Um, after nine games, he already has seven goals in the league. And I mean, two seasons ago, he had seven goals in total. So that's amazing. And last season, he had 10 goals in the league. Now he has already seven of the nine games. It's right now, I'm pretty sure we're seeing the most advanced Fasnacht we ever have. Um, doesn't mean that necessarily it has to stop here. I still can see some room from, uh, for improvement. Um, astonishingly, his finishing would be one of the things that I would see definitely, definitely room for improvement. Um, but also, I mean, we have to we have to just pay respect for the year that he has had. I mean, uh, first of all, he had an amazing spring. He scored many, many goals uh, for eBay. Then, of course, he participated at the Euros. Um, he even actually had a quite a, a big role because uh, he was subbed on a couple of times. Most importantly, of course, in the uh, uh, round of the last 16 against France and uh, he was the player that stole the ball from Pogba and to uh, deliver it to Xhaka who then of course uh, played the absolutely fantastic pass to uh, Mario Kavranovic who then uh, you know scored the goal uh, in like the 90th minute to send us to extra time and to uh, allow us to beat France on penalties so Fasnacht definitely um, has had a bit, big impact there and uh, Murat Yakin also seems to trust him. He has called him up now both times. He's giving him playing time and Vasnacht uh, has scored as well um, against Northern Ireland, a very important goal. So to me, it just seems like Vasnacht has, is now like on a whole new level and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, by summer um, he will have left the league. Of course, he deserves a chance, that's for sure. He is right now at his best level since he's uh, in your boys. He's really impressive. He's uh, always there, always um, always a key player of eBay. And yes, he deserves also more responsibilities in the in the Nati, maybe. 
Yes, for sure. Okay, but uh, let's move on to the next game, Giacomo. Um, let's talk about derbies, because we had two derbies uh, this weekend. One, of course, the Zürcher Derby between Grasso and Zürich, and the other one being the, the uh, uh, Derby uh, de la Ronde. I don't know if I'm saying correctly in French. Ronde Derby, yes. Yes. Um, between Sion and Servette in Geneva. You were actually in Geneva, Giacomo. Um, tell me, well, how, what was it like? Yes, I was at the stadium indeed. And, um, yeah, well, pretty disappointing afternoon for the Servette fan. After last week, uh, controversial uh, weekend uh, in St. Gallen with the VAR, with the penalty, with the disallowed goal, etc. This time, uh, Servette had no excuses because Servette really put off a, a bad performance. And of, un, after only three minutes, Stojkovic scored the one nil. Uh, then Servette came back well after the after the break, and they conceded the goal during their uh, a good period for them. So that was also bad. And yes, um, really not enough, not enough at all. They also Servette side didn't seem to really want that win. It was pretty strange. They they didn't do like that usually in the derbies especially against you, who is the biggest rival in the league. So, yes, really no excuses for Servette this time, except the fact that they were not at their usual usual level. Man. Well, I mean, yes, I totally agree. It was, it was just a poor performance. It was such a poor performance. Um, and at no time during the whole 90 minutes, I felt that uh, they were actually having a derby atmosphere. Because it was just so so pale, uh, so n not energetic, uh, just so slow, everything without emotion, and like even the fact that this is like the biggest derby in Romandie, if I'm not mistaken, um, that was utterly disappointing and a whole contrast to the absolutely uh, dynamic and exciting game that happened in Zurich on a Saturday night. Yes, we, I think we can already switch to it because not much to say about uh, Sion Servet except the fact that Tramizani got his first win and that's Stojkovic also scored, which is good for his confidence. We talked about Zeki Amduni, IU21 striker. Same goes for Filip Stojkovic, scored on, after only three minutes. Good um, good job by Itai Tinga, who absolutely trusts Sotier on the left wing and then crossed to to Stojkovic. So I, I don't know if you want to add something, Emmanuel, before switching to the Zürich. Yes, I, yes, I actually do. Um, because, you know, Servet, they haven't been up to their best now for several weeks. And we have already talked about it in the last video. Um, still, I mean, why? What happened? Is it the absence of Timo Konya in midfield? Is it that none of their uh, summer arrivals on the transfer market seem to work? Is it um, that, like, just Alan Geiger's ideas don't uh, kind of, uh, you know, don't work anymore, which I don't believe, to be honest. What is it? Do you have an explanation? I think, of course, Konya was having a crazy start of the season. Without him, it's not the same. Of course, it's harder for Servet. But other than that, I think some players are maybe a bit starting to get tired. You know, maybe they played too much. I, I'm thinking, for example, about Stevanovic, who plays with Bosnia during the international breaks. Yesterday, he's the, the best player in Servet. He's the key player of the offense. And sometimes, even when Servet is playing bad, Stevanovic can save them. And yesterday, he didn't get much ball. He, he wasn't really 
it wasn't really there, you know, and that goes the same for Theo Valls, which is the, the key player in the in the middle. Same for the defense, uh, Sasso Rue, which was terrible yesterday. They they used to to do way better. So I think they are like in in one of those down phases. Sometimes it happens for Servet. It's it never lasts too long, but. I, I don't know, man, and I think um, on on Wednesday they are playing the cup in Tune, of course, and uh, it, it could be it could start to look bad for them and for their coach if they they get knocked out, man. Yes, and it's an interesting uh, story that we're going to talk about later. Uh, but still, uh, last thing about Servet and the league: um, Do you feel like Gael Ondua hasn't been properly replaced? Because, of course, he left uh, during summer on a free. He went to Hannover 96 in the German uh, second Bundesliga, um, where he is really uh, playing uh, brilliantly, uh, so to speak. Um, he is, of course, a physical, strong, athletic, uh, defensive midfielder. And they simply, in my eyes, failed to replace him adequately. Do you do you see the same? I agree, man. I agree. I, I don't think Cespedes... Uh, is on the same level as uh, Gael Ondua. Yes, and this Cespedes is a whole different type of player in my eyes. Of course, of course. He's not uh, the same profile. Same goes for David Durin, who, who played the, the first half against you and was uh, immediately subbed off. But I, I didn't really understand that, to be honest, because he was not the worst player in the pitch. But still, you know, uh, it was like, OK, he doesn't have the level to, to play that kind of games. Theo Valls maybe could play in that position, but, you know, he, uh, especially without Konya, Servet needs someone to to get the responsibilities more offensive. So if if they put uh, Vals behind um, Vals as um, at Ondua's old um, old place on the pitch, then who is making the the plays? You know, Imeri was really good, to be honest, but uh, you know more of a number eight, and uh, Vals has to cover that uh, that place when uh, when Konya is missing. Okay, okay. Yeah, all right. Um, maybe on a quick note uh, to Sion, like you said, first ever win for Tramesani uh, since his back, second game. So, <laughs> you know, two games, three points, decent start. Um, plus, Servet's defense looks already, and uh, not Servet, I'm sorry, Sion's defense looks already uh, more stable after two games. Is that possible? Do you agree, Giacomo? Absolutely, man. The, the Endoy Santini centre backs was really convincing. Um, same for um, Cavare and uh, Cipriano on the on the wings. And I also really like the aggressiveness in the in the midfield, especially like Baltazar, the Brazilian one. He was really a dog yesterday. Uh, also Gergic and Zufi, they were not the same players that under Grosso or under Marco Valcar. And uh, sorry, Zufi wasn't there uh, under Grosso, but uh, Gergic, they were really all. Uh, it was not the same that uh, than Servet because Servet looked like, like like they didn't want it, and soon it was all the opposite. Like they were there, maybe they're not playing a, a, foot, a football as good as um, as Servet usually. But uh, right now, Sunday they clearly showed that they were in Servet to get their first win under Tramezzani, and they deserved it at the end. Yes, for sure, for sure. Um... You know, let's move on to the next derby in Zurich. Um, the big story, of course, 
is unfortunately not uh, the absolutely amazing free free draw that we got to see, but it is rather uh, the chaotic scenes that uh, we went on to see after the final whistle uh, when FTZ said uh, fans from the Südkurve, like uh, you know, their their ultras, uh, they stormed the the stadium and they actually threw some. Uh, fireworks into the the, the gate stands uh, which is of course an absolutely stupid idea one of the most stupid things you could do um also just incredibly dangerous um and it just uh, really throws an absolutely bad light on all of the swiss football fan scene and the ultra scene once again uh, which is very unfortunate because in uh, Sion, in, in Valle, uh, they just uh, ended like the, the personalized tickets and the ultras returned. And uh, with like, you know, chaotic scenes and uh, violent scenes like that, uh, you're just, uh, you know, uh, giving motivation to politicians to actually uh, pursue, pursue again uh, some policies that would, uh, you know, uh, uh personalized tickets and uh, for example also uh, ban away fans and stuff like that because we have seen that uh, like policies like that being promoted and if you have violent scenes like that um, these ideas will get more more popular exactly man everyone looked so happy to finally get the ultras back in the stadiums um the whole stadium full also the tribunes etc and when episodes like this happen we are almost like okay so let's get back to uh, no spectators only the media and uh, that was better maybe one year ago and you know and that's not what we want to to think about it's also sad like you said that uh, such an incredible derby like um, like on saturday was ruined um, by the episodes afterwards and uh, so what can we say when when it's not a racist uh, episodes is a violent episodes so that's really a, not uh, a good uh, advertising for or crazy Swiss football. Yes, unfortunately, but you know the game itself, uh, ironically, was absolutely perfect advertising for Swiss football. Um, it was a crazy game, so I would say let's focus on that and uh, let's not give uh, these idiots any more uh, exposure. And uh, let's move on with the the actual game, uh, which was an absolute spectacle. Um, after that, we're leading very early 2-0, um, thanks to goals from Rodrigo Polero and Plerim Cemaili. Cemaili, uh, by the way, who has scored his first ever goal since he's back uh, at Zurich now. And Rodrigo Polero, last year's Challenge League top scorer, seems like he has now arrived in Zurich. What is your take on that? Exactly. I mean, the story of Rodrigo Polero is really inspiring because he arrived in Zurich and Cizai uh, was in the shape of his life. He finally get a chance in one in the biggest game for FCZ of the year, you know, the derby. And he scores after two minutes. He scores then a brace in order to get back to 3-3. So mentally, he really had to be strong in order to come back, to wait, all to be patient. And finally, he gets his chance and he shows right and right that he deserves to be also in the pitch. So I'm really happy for him because, uh, you know, he worked hard in order to arrive in the Super League. His arrival was not like he expected. And then finally gets his chance and he shows why he deserves to be uh, uh, in the Super League. Yes, exactly. He's an absolutely excellent player. And, uh, you know, he's uh, a Uruguayan striker. He's big, physical, uh, strong in the air. 
and uh, he has just, he, you know, he, he just proved why FTZ in the first place uh, got him during summer. And, uh, you know, at Schaffhausen, he was going crazy with his header goals. <laughs> he was scoring them all over the place last year. And, of course, his second goal of the night, uh, which was uh, the free-free equalizer, uh, was exactly one of those goals that uh, we saw of him uh, in the in last season all the time, crossing from the left, uh, from Guerrero, I think, who got uh, himself no resist, the excellent left back, and a beautiful header from Rodrigo Pulero, which is exactly what you can expect from him. Uh, you know, if you give him great crossings, the man will just convert them into goals because he just has the, the ability to do so. And uh, I'm... I really, uh, you know, I already said that when Polero signed and I, st I sticked with it, uh, even though Polero wasn't playing. And now, um, kind of, I get rewarded by my claim that Rodrigo Polero is one of the steals, one of the absolute best steals in summer, an absolute steal they did. And, uh, you know, he was, like you said, he was a victim of Asan Cisse's fantastic form. Uh, Andre Breitenreiter wasn't going to take Asan Cisse out if the man is scoring like crazy. So Polero had to wait. Uh, then Cisse got suspended for this game. So Polero got his chance, like you said, in the biggest possible game. And he scored two goals. Um, I mean, now it's going to be hard for Breitenreiter to take him out again. Uh, he will probably play again in the cup under the week, I have a feeling. Um, but uh, on weekend, if Asan Cisse is back, um, we are really going to see a, a hard uh, fight uh, for that spot now, I'm sure. Yes, I, I don't think right now uh, Brighton Art is already ready to try a system with Marquezano behind the two strikers. That could happen in the future. Maybe it's a bit too early, you know, maybe he's going to wait. But if he does that for us, so... <laughs> For the spectators, is going to be fun to watch. Maybe you know we want to see them both on the pitch a, right a now. A Cisse Polero connection, yeah, would be yes. fantastic. I don't know if they, if they like, uh, you know, uh, work together complement that them. well. Exactly, if they complement each other that well. Um, <clears throat> but you know, maybe they do because you know, Cisse is is, is fast, dynamic, and uh, Polero is is in the box, incredibly good, especially in the air. Uh, so maybe. They can complement each other. We will see. Hopefully, we will see later yes. this season. Um, what is your take on Getze, Giacomo? Yes, and Getze also, we, are, we also have to underline that Getze was down 2-0 after 15 minutes, and they managed to get back to 3-2 for them. So the remontada was crazy by um, Giorgio Contini's side. And uh, one of the Getze's men that was important in that part of the game was also Peter Puzic, which is not crossing the the best start of the season, the, the start of the season that he has hoped, a bit like Polero in, in Zurich. And then he too prov proved that he deserves to, to be a starter in, in this team. Yes, and I mean uh, that uh, midfield trio of uh, Christian Hertz, Ayao Kawabe and Peter Puzic looks amazing to me. Um, you know, it's it's just so, so dynamic, so attacking-minded, uh, so much technical elegance and technical quality in there. Um, so I really like their combination and I'm looking forward to seeing more of them, definitely. Uh, you know, uh, Christian Hertz, of course, he is a, a low player from Wolverhampton Wanderers. And uh, it would be great for Gates if they uh, could actually, um, you know, get him on a... On a definite transfer. Well, or maybe now I'm, I'm getting insecure if he is on loan or not. Let me check. Uh, I don't want to tell you any lies. And uh, it looks like he is actually 
Oh no, no, he's not on loan. He's not on loan. He already belongs to Gizzi. Okay, okay. So that's a great deal they did right there. Um, two goals, three assists in 11 games for a central midfielder. Uh, very good stats. Um, great player. One to watch. And uh, hopefully he will soon get a shot in the Slovakian national team. Yes, man. That's right. He also has to think about it because he's still young. 23 years old, like you said. Great start of the season. We already we, we already saw that uh, at every international break, it's possible for some international players to to get in their team, also playing in the Super League. So no no reason that he he, he won't get his chance if he's if he continues to be that efficient. Yes, and he's been a key player for uh, Slovakia's uh, U21. Um, so I think the nomination for the A team uh, is pending. All right, uh, Giacomo, do you have anything to add to these derbies? No, man, to, to be honest, they, they were, the Zürcher derby was, of course, way more f- funnier that, to watch because uh, the Roman derby was a bit disappointing on, on Sunday. Uh, other than that, man, we can maybe switch to the first win of the season by FC Luzern from uh, Fabio Celestini against uh, another team that is not going well, uh, lastly, is uh, FC St. Gallen. Yes, very true. I mean, St. Gallen, they are having hard times now. Uh, you know, Luzern's first three points of the season, they are long overdue. And they, they finally managed to, to, to get them after 11 games. Um, but it's so important for them, because otherwise, I mean, situation would have gotten uh, like worse and worse every week. And now they finally can have, uh, you know, a, a fresh, uh, you know, fresh air, so to say, um, at least for the moment. Um, but it's all already incredibly, uh, incredibly close, like in 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 the bottom of the table. Um, we have, I mean, let me check. Lausanne with seven, Saint exactly. and Lausanne mm-hmm. with nine. Exactly. So Lausanne is ranked on uh, last spot, number ten, with seven points, like you said. Then number nine and number eight, St. Gallen and Luzern, both with nine points. So that's going to be a very juicy relegation battle. And uh, of course, Sion is there as well. Uh, Lugano, Servit, Grasshoppers, all also within reach. So like the bottom of the table is already now looking like uh, it will develop once again into an absolutely incredible fight uh, for survival. And... uh... Lausanne is playing against uh, Luzern this weekend, so also that's a crucial game. The, that's the two, there were two of the teams that still didn't get a single win two weeks ago. Now they both got their first win, so a crucial game for them in order to 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 reduce the chance of their opponent. And same goes for the Sion Getze game also on on Sunday. So two important games for the relegation battle. Also Lugano Servet, you know. Very true. Every game, almost every game is is a a crucial game when the league is with only 10 teams. Very true. Um, Basel also, of course, won their game uh, at home against Lugano uh, by 2-0. But uh, by all means, it wasn't like uh, that Basel would play them uh, like out of the out of the pitch. I mean, they were just, um, Basel was decent, but they weren't fantastic. They are in that mode since weeks now. Uh, to be honest, since that uh, Europa Conference League playoff game against Hammarby, 
um, Basel, at least to me, look like they are playing a little bit less dynamic, a little bit less determined, um, a little bit more chaotic, a little, but, you know, they are still scoring their points. Uh, they are top of the Super League table, top of their Conference League group. So, uh, like right now, there is there's nothing to, you know, nothing to... Uh, really very worry about um but on the other hand the performances um in the early start of the season uh they were much better no yes of course but you know basel also has a, a deep squad and um that allows them to win games without playing uh, as good as at the in the beginning of the season and at the same moment to rest some of the of the players that that will be uh, necessary in the following games in order to keep that um, that champions that championship race with eBay alive as long as as possible. So I, I don't think it's a big thing uh, if Basel continues to to get the three points. You know they also play the Swiss Cup this season this um, during the um, during the week. So maybe they had to rest some players, and of course, Basel Basel game is not as um, as enjoyable as um, weeks ago. Well, I mean, you're right. Basel is winning their games by individual quality. I mean, uh, for example, that Edon Cegrova goal uh, last weekend uh, that guaranteed them three points. Now, for example, the combination play between Kazami and Cabral uh, in the goal they scored against Lugano. You know, stuff like that is their individual quality. But to me. Basel doesn't look like a real team, to be honest. If you compare them to young boys, I think Ibe is much more settled and uh, like much more unified, you know. And I think it uh, is like the reason behind that is because Basel uh, brought in so many fresh players at the very end of the transfer window, <clears throat> and uh, all of them still need to adapt, find their place. And uh, it is a very young squad now with many talents, talented young players, talented youngsters many of them on loan. So I always feel a little bit like many of them are just thinking a little bit about themselves, about their own stats. Uh, you know, it to me just feels like it's a team full of individualities or uh, like of players that that are, uh, you know, uh, recognizable by their individual strength, but not necessarily <clears throat> by their ability to play as a team. <clears throat> and uh, during the, the course of the season, that could actually develop into a problem. Yeah. But as for now, as long as they are winning their games, everything is okay. I agree with you. Yes, I understand your, your point of view. I, I agree with it because, like you said, it's plenty of young, talented players that are here, and maybe you know they don't know the they didn't know the the Swiss league a week uh, a year ago. Now they are maybe on loan at FC Basel. They're kind of disappointed to be here, so they want to play. To stat pad a bit, you know, get assists, get goals. Uh, they play a bit more personal. They don't really, um, like you say, they don't really worry about if their team is at the first, second, third spot. They really want to to be important with the, on the on the score sheet at the end of the game. So they play for yes, kind of individually. And uh, I clearly understand your point. I think. There still are some some leaders, you know, the, like Fabian Frey, Lindner, Schumer. They they are here to to make like the cadre around those young players on loan. Like for example, in Lausanne, it's a bit the same, you know, and a lot of players on loan. But the, for example, if you compare Basel to Lausanne, they have both a lot of loan player, 
but the Lausanne looks way more like a group than Basel at the moment. Mm, yeah, definitely. Definitely. But uh, let's move on from Basel uh, to Lugano. Um, we don't usually talk about Lugano that often, uh, which is very unfortunate because you are Ticinesi, so you know Lugano by heart. And we also have a regular listener from uh, the United Kingdom, if I'm not mistaken, who is uh, very interested in, in all of Lugano. So Giacomo, why don't you give uh, all the listeners and uh, even myself a quick update uh, about what's happening in Ticino? Yes, <laughs> well, sec second loss uh, in a row for Lugano after uh, the one nil short loss against FCZ when uh, Lugano didn't put much on the pitch, really was a disappointing loss. Lugano almost came for the nil nil uh, in the in the Lazio round, but this week uh, in the Saniaco Park, uh, Lugano deserved more than that loss two nil. Um, some say that um, you know the it's not the same mediatic coverage than Servet when a penalty is not given. But, you know, some say that maybe uh, Botani was not awarded a, a penalty. There was maybe a foul on him, really probably. So um, that also could have maybe changed the game. We also have to say that this weekend Lugano had 24 attempts. So seven attempts on target, but not much teams go uh, in Basel and, and shot 24 times. So that's a lot. And that's some... Um, that. The team is improving, is starting to improve under Croce Torti. We are seeing like a desire to be more offensive, a desire to not be intimidated by the opponent, like it was the case um, in the Letzigrund. So I think despite the the loss, which is pretty at the end, is pretty obvious to to lose in uh, in Basel. The the team is getting is starting to show better things. Yes, I would. I would definitely agree. And uh, you know, uh, the scoreline isn't definitely isn't telling the whole story. I mean, two nil isn't what Lugano would have deserved for their uh, performance. Like you said, uh, teams usually don't go to Basel and uh, have like oh, 20 or more attempts on their record. I mean, no, seriously, Lugano had a very decent game and they were playing some good football. Something which we aren't always used to see from Lugano because uh, for years it wasn't in their DNA to play combination play uh, to actually want the ball in their feet it's not the Lugano that we knew from the past but uh, it seems like Croci Torti takes at least some things that uh, Abel Braga was trying to to bring in uh, uh, then of course Braga was fired the Croci Torti uh, took over and it seems like uh, he kind of wanted to uh, you know, keep on with that more proactive approach, which is something uh, very enjoyable, definitely. And I also want to add, Lugano uh, has a uh, pretty, how should I say, like pretty respectable uh, strength in their in their team, and uh, their team is also pretty deep uh, for their standards. I mean, Crocitorti was subbing on players like Christopher Lungoy, like Nicolas Mucci, like Kevin Monsialo. All of them very young, exciting, attacking prospects. Um, and, uh, you know, they also have the likes of Asuma Abubakar, Zancelar, for example. These, uh, I think he is Slovenian that they brought in during summer. So, you know, the, uh, Mattia Botani, of course, still there as well. He's like their Antonio Marquezano, like, you know, their, their uh, wizard in, in attack. So... It's definitely a team that has some potential, 
and uh, I'm curious to see what Crocitorti will do with them now in the in the upcoming weeks. And we can also mention the Algerian uh, the Algerian phenomenon Amura, the phenomenon they call him like that. We haven't seen enough at the moment, but uh, really uh, also a, a good good prospect, Mohamed uh, Amura. Not Mohamed Amura, and uh, yes, so um, defensively also Lugano is pretty solid. Usually it has already been like that, but uh, Saipi played too, um, this weekend in the Senna Copa because uh, Ozigwe got injured during the warm-up and uh, Saipi saved a penalty, of course, which was really badly taken by, by Kazami, but on the first goal he could have done better because um, Fabian Fry scored the tap-in and you know he had first the save, but he gave like the ball to 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 Fabian Fry. So that was a mistake by the U21s goalkeeper. It can happen. You know what's important is that he he gets back to work, and uh, I'm sure that Lugano has done a good deal by bringing uh, Amir Zaipi uh, in his team for the future. Yes, yes, no doubt about that. Um. Giacomo, I think we should move on. Um, let's, uh, you know, leave the Super League behind us and talk about the Swiss Cup, which will have uh, the round of 16 during the week. Uh, tomorrow, on Tuesday, starting with the games Aarau against Lausanne Sport, Biel from Promotion League against Stad Lausanne Uschi and Yverdon Sport facing FC Zürich. And then, of course, on Wednesday, we have Etoile Carouche, also from Promotion League, facing FC Basel, Lugano at home facing Ibe, Chiasso facing St. Gallen, Thun facing Servet, and Schaffhausen facing Luzern. So we have some really interesting fixtures coming up, Giacomo. And now I'm just wondering in which of these games do you think a surprise is most likely to happen? Mm, no, I'm... I am thinking between two. The first one is Iverdon against Zurich. You know, of course, Willy Forte playing uh, against his former, you know, he, he has been the trainer with Zurich. He won the cup in 2016. Iverdon is in a good state of form, so maybe something can happen. You know, also Zurich has to focus, will focus maybe more on the on the Super League. The During the round of 32, they won only one nil against Kriens. Maybe, you know, Iverdon, they're playing at home. If they start in a, in a solid way, they can maybe do something in that game. And the other game I'm thinking about is Thun Servet. You know, we talked about Servet. It's not going well lately. Thun is a really solid team. They won uh, against Arau on, on Friday. They really have the, the quality to to um, compete for coming back to the to the Super League. Uh, their coach also is, I really like their coach, Bernegger. So um, I think something can happen there too, you know. Okay, okay. Well, with the first one, um, I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly disagree. Um, I don't see Iverdon getting anything against Zurich, to be honest. I think they will be outclassed and outplayed. Um, Zurich... You know, you, you're right, they, they will play their cup formation, they will uh, play the likes of uh, Polero again, um, Wilfried Nyonto, like these guys, and uh, I think they will absolutely demolish Iverno Sport. Um, you're right, they have been uh, quite a decent run of form under Uli Forte lately, but um, 
no, no, it's 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 not going to. I, I, there's no way I, I'm, I, it, it happens in my eyes. But you know, you know, Cup always is writing uh, beautiful stories, so you never know, of course. But I wouldn't put my money on that. <laughs> but the the second one, Tune and Servet, that's one I definitely see as well. Uh, because you're right, Servet is clearly in a bad state right now. Tune isn't brilliant as well, definitely not. Um, but I mean, at home, maybe something is possible for them. And yes, and also, I mean, you know, Tune they are facing another year in the Challenge League. Um, their promotion, uh, like the, 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 the likelihood that they will get promoted, isn't that high as of now because they are more consistent teams in the league. Uh, but they are still a decent, solid team. And on on one day they definitely can match a Super League team, and I wouldn't be surprised if they would actually drag Servet all the way, either uh, for extra time and penalties, or actually even beat them with like a two-one, one-nil, something like that. Yes, a trip to Stockholm Arena on Wednesday night is it's not uh, good at all. It's not easy at all for not a single team uh, in Switzerland. So I I, I think Servet has to. To, to look for his back, you know, because it's not going to be an easy game at all on the synthetic synthetic uh, field also. Uh, um, uh, really, uh, I, I think it's it's going to be a really balanced game and Servette is not going in in Bern to to dominate uh, dominate the game. And is it is it going to be a chance for Dimitri Oberlin? What do you think? But I, I think he is not on the bench, so he has something, you know, I, I think he because he's know. not in the group lately, so I think he has something uh, like muscular, something. It's sad that we haven't seen much of him at the moment. Only one goal on the first round of the of the cup. But uh, right now, we, we are waiting to see more of him. Also because the, the strikers in Servette, uh, Schalke, Rodelin, Kiai is scored, but uh, Kiai is, is coming back from an injury, are not uh, in their best form at the moment. So. When uh, Oberlin will be back, we will be happy to see. Toon also has a player to watch. Um, I'm talking about Daniel Dos Santos. Um, he is their homegrown player from their own academy. Um, a absolutely technically gifted attacking midfielder. Um, really enjoyable to see him play. 18 years old, Swiss and Portuguese. Um, he was on the uh, standby list uh, of Mauro Lustrinelli last time around for the Swiss U21 Nazi. So he'll most likely uh, sooner than later uh, will get a call up for them. Um, he is a player that I think will uh, bring some headaches to Sasso and Ruye and, uh, and Co. Yes, yes, definitely one to watch. Also, he, he finished well the, the previous season. So yes, like you said, I'm I'm hyped to see him um, in the next months, maybe one time in the U21. Uh, also, we have to think about the thing, the, the fact that Tuna has some experienced player like uh, Alexander Gernt for the for a, a Swiss Cup game. That's that's important, you know. That can that can change some things. So I, if I was an if I was a red, I, I wouldn't be. Too confident. I, I don't think they are confident, to be honest, because 
they're not in a good form and uh, facing tune on Wednesday night. Once again, I'm, I'm repeating it, but you don't want to go to Stockholm Arena on Wednesday night for a, a in or in or out game like that. Yeah, for sure. I would also throw in Arau against Lausanne-Sport uh, into the mix of uh, surprise packages uh, because Arau, um, <laughs> you know, they are like a team that's always they always they like like a diva they always have their ups and downs and right now they aren't like at their best um, but they aren't also very bad um but at home in the Brücklefeld on a Tuesday night i think they can really really pre- uh, bring the unexperienced and very young Lausanne sport team um to elimination and and last year uh, Arau went to the semifinals. We have to keep that in mind. So they Arau is a cup team. Let's let's put it like that. So I'm really also confident that Arau can Arau can do something. You know, Arau like Tune. It's one of those outsiders team in the in the Challenge League that maybe won't compete until the end for the promotion, but it's still one of the five best teams in the Challenge League. Arau. And uh, they have also the individual quality, you know, Spadanuda, Aratore, um, Balai, etc. You know, the, some really um, Rudani, really some offensive players that, that can do the difference alone. And uh, against Lausanne, which probably won't put all their starting players. And we, we saw Lausanne in the previous round against Bull. Erste Liga side, fourth division, they were up to nil and then they went to extra time. So I I think also like Servet, Lausanne should worry about going to the Brigliefeld tomorrow night. Mm, for sure, for sure. All right, but these are uh, some very exciting games to look forward to under the week and I'm really pumped for them. Uh, but as for now, I would uh, propose that... Uh, we end the discussion about Swisscom right now and come to the next topic, which is actually something new. Uh, we decided to, uh, you know, try out something different uh, because we have been discussing just results over results since we ever started a podcast. But actually, uh, the whole sense of the Swiss football show is also to uh, give some opinions, uh, give some analytical stuff, uh, discuss uh different topics not only results but just what's in general happening in the swiss football world and they're also doing it a little playfully and uh, so we came up with the idea of uh, picking out three swiss managers or coaches and uh, three swiss players that are all of them currently without a club and uh, trying to you know uh, find out which club would they fit in where do we see them what would be fitting for them and uh, i think we should just dive right into it um on the side of the coaches we decided to go with uh, lucien favre who after he lost his job uh, in dortmund uh, now nearly one year ago uh, still hasn't found a new club uh, marcel koller who also after uh, the end of his spell at basel uh, now, also over a year ago, hasn't found a new club. And René Weiler, who is also still clubless. On the side of the players, we decided to go with uh, Nazi left-back Loris Benito, who after the end of his contract uh, in Bordeaux, well, it wasn't at the actual end of his contract, but they decided to uh, 
you know, uh, end the collaboration right on the spot. Um, he, he as well hasn't found a new club. Uh, also, we decided to go with uh, André Ribeiro, the uh, Servet uh, Academy product, right, Giacomo? Um, from Geneva, who has played for St. Gallen and the Gatesy recently, but is now clubless as well. And uh, we also decided to go with Joel Kiersimbuer, the goalkeeper from Servet, who is also a free agent. Um, so lots of interesting names. Um, Giacomo, how do you, how, how should we, how should we do that? Should I just give you one take after another, what I, what I was thinking, and then you can react to it and give me your take? Yes, introduce me your first take. All right, so my first take, where do I see Lucien Favre is uh, something that is, I think, could actually work pretty well, which is VfL Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg, they just uh, kicked out their manager uh, Van Bommel this weekend, so they are currently looking out for a new coach. And Lucien Favre knows the Bundesliga excellently. He is your man to go uh, for developing players in the German Bundesliga. And, um, you know, Wolfsburg, they have a very decent squad at their hands. They have the likes of Ridley Baku, Lukas Necha, uh, Alte Franks, Sauer Schlager, uh, uh, Lacroix, the, the young centre-back. So lots of promising talents. And, of course, also some Swiss players like Kevin Mbappu. And I would love to see what Lucien Favre is able to do with Kevin Mbappu. So give me Favre at Wolfsburg and I will watch every game. Yeah, that's a good match for sure. You know, Bundesliga, Swiss internationals like Stefan and um, and um, Mbappu. Favre already had success in, in Dortmund. And um, Wolfsburg is competing pretty much for the same goals as uh, Borussia Dortmund. So, of course, that will be, I, I, I want to, to say, almost a perfect fit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were also talks about him uh, going to Newcastle, but I, you know, I don't see it. I don't think they, they will go with, with Lucien Favre, as he has never managed in the Premier League before, first of all, and also, like, he isn't like your coach to to go with a squad full of superstars and they, that's exactly what Newcastle are trying to build so that's not the club that I see him with but Wolfsburg where you can uh, you know yes. develop something a little bit more naturally I could definitely see it working absolutely I and mean, Wolfsburg will be a, a great alternative I, I hope that uh, it gets that opportunity yes yes um, all right, so let's move on to the next take, uh, which is Marcel Koller. And uh, I think Koller should move back to the Austrian national team. I see him, you know, he is now uh, approaching the end of his coaching career. He has had some fantastic success. And I think it's now time for him to like, definitely stick with national team football. And uh, he had some great successes with Austria and Austria is very unhappy with their current coach Franco Foda um, fans and media want him out as soon as possible and he probably isn't going to last much longer so why not bring back Marcel Koller and uh, you know maybe he could do uh, something in getting Austria to the World Cup yes man that's that would be a comeback for him and right now he has more experience than when he came from the, for the first time, 
you know, and uh, he knows the players more. He has some, he has seen some new generations and new faces. Uh, he also had the, the time right now. He's a free agent. He's probably looking, uh, of course, at Swiss football, but also at uh, Austrian football. So uh, for sure, he, he would be happy with that opportunity, and for it, it's also will be interesting for us to see his tactics. If it's not this, if it's the same than in Basel, if it's the same than his first time with uh, the Austrian national team. So, Koller also, like you said, I think um, it's a good fit, Koller uh, in the Austrian national team. Now, the last coach that I uh, want to give uh, my opinion is Rene Weiler, and this is going to be a controversial one. Um, but I can see Weiler being the successor of Ilya Morenovic at Lausanne Spor if Morenovic is going to uh, be kicked out either uh, in the next couple of months if they stay at the bottom or maybe next summer when they need to rebuild. I think Rene Weiler uh, could be a very interesting option for Lausanne who is a very ambitious club with Ineos at the back. Um, and Rene Weiler could fit pretty well in my eyes, Giacomo. What do you think? Well, uh, at the moment, it's it's a bit uh, strange to imagine him in uh, in Lausanne because it's finally starting to to pay off uh, Borinovic's work. But uh, of course, in the in the future, it could be you know, Weiler was once with uh, at the beginning of his career with the U21, with the U21 uh, of St. Gallen, with the uh, a bit with um, the uh, Getze Academy too. So he also knows how to deal with uh, with young players, and uh, he, yes, maybe why not? Why not in uh, in Lausanne? He hasn't still coached a, a Roman team, and uh, maybe that would be a, a, an obstacle, you know, because uh, you are in Lausanne. We are not in the in the um, German-speaking part of Switzerland, but you know, probably. By the time he will get that opportunity, he will be able to learn French. Yes, I think it wouldn't, uh, uh, you know. It won't be the problem, of course, exactly. if, if he gives name in, uh, in Lausanne. Exactly, exactly. Um, okay, so that's for the coaches. Favre to Wolfsburg, Koller back to the Austrian national team, and Weiler to Lausanne Sport. Do it as soon as possible if you're hearing that. Uh, and <laughs> and you are by uh, like by chance uh, like sporting directors or something then listen to us it could pay off. However, let's move on to the players. Um, Benito, of course, still without club, despite uh, taking part at the Euros during summer. Um, Loris Benito, I think he could be a man for the German Bundesliga. And uh, I even found a team for him, which is Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, Frankfurt, on the left side, they are settled. They have Philipp Kostic, and there's no way to get around Philipp Kostic. But uh, unluckily, they don't have anyone else because their backup, Steven Super, was sent on loan to Ike Athens. Um, they have Christopher Lenz. They got him from Union Berlin, but he's out injured. Um, Benito is a free agent, and I think he could be the right man uh, to just further enhance their uh, squad depth in and like uh, just give them more options because he would be like the more defensive 
uh, approach to what Filip Kostic would offer you on the left. Um, so maybe sub him off, uh, sub him on, I'm sorry, like uh, after 80 minutes, if you need to like, uh, you know, bring your bring your uh, lead over the time, something like that. Uh, and then he could he could actually be your player to do so. And uh, Benito, you know, he has had experiences now in Ligue 1. Um, he has played uh, with eBay on the international stage. Um, he has played with the Nazis. So I think he definitely has the quality to be at least a squad player in the Bundesliga. And Frankfurt, they are in need for another backup on the left. Uh, so why not try to get Benito on a free? Yes, um, probably um, Frankfurt, uh, um, the, the people that um, that deal with the, the transfer as Frankfurt already talked about it because for, for Frankfurt and Bundesliga is a place where Swiss international goes a lot, you know, Steven Zuber, uh, also um, Gibril So. So of course they, they won't be scared to bring in someone like Benito, especially if they need someone as a backup of, uh, of Kostic. I think Benito will be extremely happy to, to find a place there. I don't know at the moment if he has the level to be a starter in the Bundesliga, but as a backup, probably, uh, I think he will, it, it, will, it will be enough for him. So let's see, maybe he's not going to get an opportunity as big as that, but uh, for him, it will be the best thing possible, I think. Exactly, exactly. Um, my second take, uh, concerning Andre Ribeiro, who uh, was released by Gatesley during summer. I would love to see Ribeiro in Arau in the Challenge League. And I'm telling you why. Uh, Ribeiro being a Portuguese attacker, I think he would work perfectly with Mikael Almeida uh, at the front. So they would have like the Portuguese connection. Almeida, he's suffering a lot of the Stojkovic uh, departure back to Sion. And uh, Arau hasn't been able to properly replace uh, Stojkovic after his his uh, after the end of his loan. So Almeida is just all alone up there, um, and he isn't playing in the same manner that he used to during spring. So why not bring in a, a fellow Portuguese attacker and like let them form their own Portuguese striking force? I think that would be a very fascinating idea, and I think it uh, could definitely work out for Arau. Yes, absolutely. The, the Portuguese connection sounds really well. Then we also have to, to think about the fact that will there be sufficient space for, for Ribeiro? Because we see around, they, they have to leave some players like Almeida, Aratore, sometimes on the bench, you know, some players that have to start in the Challenge League. And uh, um, they have the quality, but there are so much. The, the Arau offense is really packed with talent, Rudani, etc. Spadanuda. And at every game, they can play with five, six offensive players, wingers, strikers. So the fact is that Ribeiro, he, he got used in his career to be on the bench. And if he goes back to Challenge League again, he's playing like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, then it's going to be tough for him. But of course, if he if managed to, to be a starter with, um, with Almeida, the, the Portuguese connection sounds really, really promising and exciting. Yes, and I mean, look, Arau, <clears throat> they, like I said, because uh, Stojkovic left and they failed to get in like a proper replacement uh, as number nine, um, they just really have Mikael Almeida as their only real striker plus uh, 
a young player that they signed from Monaco, but he hasn't featured yet uh, like a lot because he still needs to adapt. Um, but other than that, they are they are lacking someone who can go through the middle. Of course, they have Shkelsengashi, Aratores, Patanoda, Bala, Rudan, but most of them are deployed on the on the wings. And uh, Ribeiro wouldn't be a player that I would deploy in the wings. I would deploy him through the middle. And uh, I think together with, with Almeida, it could really pay off uh, for Arau. And of course, him being a free agent, I mean, the risk isn't that high to if, if you if you actually decide to sign him. So I would really advise Arau, if they want to strengthen their attack, uh, to look at Andre Ribeiro. That would also be a, an interesting move for Arau uh, during winter if they want to play for the promotion, you know, because Ribeiro... He showed once, and you know when he scored against uh, against Basel with uh, with St. Gallen, you know he has already scored some goals in the Super League, so it's not going to be a problem for him to 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 have an important role in the in the challenge. So I think really the man only has to get his chance, you know, because okay he was he was taken by Getse, but he didn't really get a chance there. Uh, it's He's from 97, so he's only 23, 24 years old. It's not over for him, not at all. And uh, I really think that something can still light up for him. Mm -hmm. I wholeheartedly agree. And now let's move on to my last pick, um, which is uh, Joel Kiersenbua, the ex-Servet number two, uh, also the national team goalkeeper of the Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, Kiersenbua, who is a very decent goalkeeper, but uh, he was unfortunate to be on the bench behind uh, Jeremy Frick, Frick, who is an absolutely key player for Servet, so there was, there was no way around him. Um, but I can see a club uh, where Kiersenbua can become an absolute uh, star himself, which is FC Thun in the Challenge League. Now Thun, they have a starting keeper in Andreas Hirzl, but not one that I would see them gaining promotion with, to be honest. I mean, Hirzl isn't like the kind of keeper uh, that wins you a championship, even if it's only the Challenge League. He's not the goalkeeper that wins you a first place. He, there, there are more goalkeepers, there are other goalkeepers with much more individual quality than him in the Challenge League. And if Thun want to get back to the to the Super League, they do need to start at the very back at the goalkeeper position and bring in someone who has the absolute quality uh, to also be starter in the Super League. And Joel Kiersenbua absolutely, uh, you know, checks, ticks that box. And um, I can definitely see him coming in on a free and uh, gaining the number one spot and maybe winning with them promotion this year, next year, whatever, and uh, being a hero in tune, which uh, would definitely benefit him and his career very much. What do you think, Giacomo? Yes, Tun would be a, a good place for Kiesemboa to, to bounce back, of course. Like you said, the, the goalkeeper there is not a, a monster, is not like an untouchable uh, goalkeeper of the of the Challenge League. So, honestly, for if a keeper goes to, to Tun, like Kiesemboa, he, he clearly has a chance to, to become the number one, you know? And uh, I think even if he starts at the beginning as a number two and then switches to number one, it will still be a, a great opportunity for him, you know, to to be important again, you know, because in Servette he really never played. Uh, he played more in Lugano before going to to Servette, but in Servette really he wasn't 
really appreciated by Geiger. He really almost never played. And I think for his ego and also for his confidence as a goalkeeper, he has to 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 realize to to feel important in a team and a team that plays for the promotion like uh, FC Tun or that maybe will play for promotion. If he has an important role there, for sure it's going to help him to be back at his levels and to become a better goalkeeper. Yes, definitely exactly what I was thinking. Okay, so let's let's wind that up. Um, with the players, I went with Loris Benito to Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, André Ribeiro to FC Arau and Joel Kiersumbua to FC Thun. Now, Giacomo, I think that's it for the day. Yes, man, it was Let's really, call a, it a wrap. It was really a, an interesting episode, really dense, a bit of everything. We, once again, we didn't manage to talk about the, the Challenge League, but the Swiss Cup was there. So we, we will talk about uh, Winterthur, Kriens. Uh, Iverdon also Xamax, which is not passing a, a good time. Maybe next week we will try to do it. Uh, that's for sure. And uh, you know the podcasts are already pretty long like that. So if we add Challenge League 20 minutes, then it's going to be too much long. Yes, definitely. But Giacomo, thank you so much again for being on the pod with me. And the listener, if you uh, stick with us until the very end, or even though uh, we passed the one hour mark already, then uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope uh, you will uh, also be back next time. And uh, as for now, I wish you a brilliant week. And uh, let's hope for some cracking games in the Swiss Cup and on the weekend in the Swiss Super League and in the Challenge League. Thank you so much and uh, goodbye. Yeah.